This this might be a dire occasion. I'm down to my last Mountain Dew. The Sunday Skypers. Burning Beards. All right, where were we last time? Well, okay. Go ahead. I was say, getting my face removed, I believe. <laughs> no, no, we had just... Well, okay, you're getting your face removed. See, but the Triathlon Dwarves had, had, had defeated the foes of Mother and her children. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And set fire to the Opal Brewery. I, uh, my plan is to sort of move forward a bit, as a slight yeah. bit in time, but uh, I would like to, like, resolve the the infirmary scene a little first, because... I don't think we left it on a horrible, terrible cliffhanger, but there were still things to be done, I think. I think uh, Scully was still possessed. Yes, among other things. So I'd like to resolve that, and then we can like consider like uh, how we want to rewrite or, or figure our beliefs, and then we'll, we're going to go in half a day or a day later and, and um, take it from there. And where am I? Or where is uh, that? That is an adventure which we are going to get into, and um, <laughs> someplace safe, oh boy! <laughs> oh, I doubt Somewhere that. Else. This is Will. The first version <laughs> of the session may not feature Slate very much, but um, there may, might be a lot more in the second portion. All right. So then, last we left Flint, Flint. Flint was uh, getting up, I guess, from his where he was wrestled down, and and I flung some of my blood at Scully. I thought you flung a chamber pot. I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you did both. Okay, okay. So I think the last thing that happened was that uh, Scully had wrestled. No, uh, Stonebones had wrestled Scully's possessed body to the ground uh, and had locked him down and he was kind of in a frenzy and the the sorcerer's fire had, be- had begun to go out and Bruna was still in her cot with her unloaded arbalest pointed at the wrestlers in a sort of nervous failed steel test kind of way. Yeah. We think it's unloaded. It might have a scalpel or something in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even drawn. <laughs> like you can see it's not loaded. <laughs> oh. So, you know, you're, you're in the infirmary. The, the fire is sort of dying down. There's still a, a, a curl of sorcerous uh, bluish sort of smoke. Uh, roiling about the the ceiling and, and pouring out out of the um, open entrance. Stonebones is on top of Scully and he reaches for uh, the axe that uh, Scully dropped, your axe, and he grabs it and he he uh, lifts it over his head in this sort of mad, mad-eyed, murderous, you know, <laughs> about to do something very terrible to Scully. What do you do? I let him. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to think. It's just like, I'm sitting here profusely bleeding from the face, and the only person that can help me has my axe. <laughs> okay, so no, you know, you don't. You well, know. Okay, is there any sign that Scully's coming back, or have we lost oh, him? Oh, oh uh, that's probably a key uh, bit of information. You could see Scully losing, or, you know, the spirit possessing Scully losing. Oomph, like, like he kind of collapsed under, under stone bones. At present, Scully doesn't appear to be a threat. As, as he sort of slumped down under stone bones, the fire kind of, kind of started to go out and, and the whole sorcerous threat 
seems to be going away, but ah. Stormbones is still in in sort of crazy, yes. uh, you know, mode. In that case, uh, we'll shout out the the spirit has fled. No need for his head. And grab for my axe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, do you want to use intimidation, command, or fork in poetry wise? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's intimidation with a little bit of command. Do you get bonus points for being a bleeding, horrible wreck? <laughs> I don't know. Not in this situation. <laughs> but he's a doctor. He's not He's not focused on you. Ah. Do you have anything else interesting that you might use? Okay. Oddly likable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not trying to be likable, are you? <laughs> Well, people just don't understand that when I'm intimidating, that's that's when I'm being likable because I'm I'm trying to get things done without people getting murdered. You have conspicuous if you want to be loud and obvious and if you want to – And bloody. You know, hey, yeah, we can go with that. Yeah, yeah. Intimidation maybe with a command and conspicuous double fork. Sounds good to me. Okay. Fork them uh, from the left, fork them from the right. All right. So uh, the obstacle I think is four – I'm not going to lower it because he's kind of in his in the middle of his, you know, mode. So if you mm-hmm. succeed, you know, you you succeed in in stopping him from doing whatever he's doing, and he, he's going to sort of snap back to his senses. You know, I've I've got a B4 intimidation. If we throw in a little uh, command and conspicuous, and we throw in ah, da, 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 da. how many do you have? <laughs> uh, I have three persona. I'm trying to think right. how many I want. How much do I value Scully? <laughs> Yo, actually, uh, it wasn't his fault that he sit there and s- split my face in twain. Be- because I am such a sweetheart, we're going to spend two persona on oh, that. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> oh, this is juicy, okay. So that uh, brings me up to eight dice with an obstacle four. Fantastic. So, 50, yeah. Ish. Yeah, yeah. Ish. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, is that routine? Let's see. Uh, six, four, yes. So, 8D, six. Survey says. Oh, wow. Why? 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 Four ones. Do you have uh, any colon trait or any. You don't have a deeds, do you? No. No. Man. Dice roller does not like me. I'm wondering if it's rolling D5s or something. Oh well, <laughs> maybe you may be not so not so hot on this. Okay, so I guess he's used to the sight of blood. <laughs> Take a number. Stonebones is way too in his protect the patients, protect everyone in here. Crazy sorceress shenanigans happening. Have to stop mode. You, you cry out to him, maybe you know, raise a hand or something. Um, oh yeah. But you just don't reach him, and he he just starts to hack Scully's head into pieces, you know, as he's just shouting wordlessly. It's horrible to behold. It's it's just awful. He's our doctor? Yes. <laughs> Do you let him finish, or are you just sitting or standing there in horror? Well, it, it is... Scully definitely on the dead side. By the second axe whack, yes. There was no uh, coming back from that unless, you know, you were some kind of miracle worker. If there was some kind of magic or priest uh, resurrection spell, right? If we had a rod of infinite, re- re- infinite re- resurrection, it maybe it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get that at least. <laughs> I'll just sit down and, and, and shake my head 
dripping blood. Doc, he's dead. Tend to the living. He's just panting. He's sweating. His his like beard is is all you know on end. His hair is like like he usually. I'm sure he's blood splattered a little bit yeah, too. He, yeah, absolutely. But his hair is usually like pulled back, so it's not in the way of things. But it's sort of come out of the the leather thong, and and sort of it, these thick dwarfy curls are just all over the place and uh, in a mess. And of course, he's just bloody, and then he. Sits back and sees what he's done, and and there's this sort of intake of breath, like, <gasps> and then he drops the axe and it clangs on the floor. He looks to you briefly, but then it's as if he's not seeing you. It's as if like he just happened to look in your direction when he's remembering something, and then he sort of whips about and just rushes over to Bruna and, and sort of grabs her hand. It's like, child, child, are you are you all right? Are, are you are unburned? Yeah, you know, she realizes that she doesn't have a. a an arrow or or a, or a bolt in her arbalist, so you know, she just lets that drop and sort of grabs him. And by sort of, she grabs the the fabric of one of his sleeves. It's like she's trying to find a way to express what she's going through or or like what's happening. And you know, all the while, Stomos is like p- patting her face uh, and brushing her hair away, and you know, just making sure that she's not you know, hurt or burned or something. There's a little more than just doctor-patient fervor here. Like, okay, he was just in a crazy situation, but Flint, you got a sense that there's maybe a little more here than what's, like, expected. Bruna just snaps to you and sees that you're just sitting there with, you know, half your face in it's a, it's a big slash, and, you know, yeah. your one ear is essentially dangling from a strip of flesh. And she just points to you and goes, Stormos, Flint, Flint is bleeding. You have to help him. And, and um, you know, he realizes that, you know, oh, uh, so he gets up and, and rushes over to you and um, has this ugly grimace on his face. Oh, not good. Not good at all. <laughs> get your tools, surgeon. Flint will actually get up, walk over, pick up his axe and wipe the blood off of it. And then on what? St- Probably uh, Scully's body. <laughs> and he, he will talk to the axe. You've had too much blood today. <laughs> you need the rest. <laughs> and then you know, we'll stow the axe and we'll find ourselves a stool to sit on. Yeah, okay. So I think- you know, oh, we got one last thing to say. Okay. I want to sh- shout out. Wolf cow! I need a bear! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's perfect, because you're you're a little out of your head, because Wolf cow at this point is off burning spiders somewhere. Beautiful, great, okay. And, you know, Scully rushes back. It's been a rough day. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to treat your wound so it it stabilizes. And I think you took a midi wound, yeah? It was a nasty one, yes. Yeah. It it required immediate surgical attention, I believe was the term. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it required tending to really in the last session, but since we we weren't really done with the scene, I figured let's let's not be that bad. Let's not be that, you know. Rules of lawyering. Uh, let's not be that DM. Yes, let's not be that <laughs> DM. Like, well, technically. We'll be able to stitch it back on. Oh, yeah, he stitches the ear together as best he can. It's not going to be pretty, but it's you're still going to have your ear. Um, Yay! You're going to have a, a, a characterizing scar, which is going to be really raw <laughs> uh, for the next like week. So I guess you'll you'll be in a, like a head bandage or something. 
Here we so, go. On your character sheet, where would you put things like interesting scars? If there, if if is that actually something like a trait? We're, we're coming up toward a trait vote very soon. Oh. Uh, in which case, you're gonna get like something like a character trait like that. Absolutely. Sure. If it's if if you think it's cool, then <laughs> you know we could always consider it like a, you know big scarred face or something. Unless he's a miracle worker, uh, it's not going to go away. Nope. <laughs> I just have this surgical glue and butterfly stitches for you. <laughs> it's like, doesn't sound like him. <laughs> no, you'd have to go to the treaty, treaty elves to get it treated properly. <laughs> I would like you to make a uh, an obstacle three health test to oh like recover from the initial after the initial treatment that he gives you. Well, we should probably save that last. Not I would that do that if I were you, me. yes. <laughs> okay. But you should have like six or... Uh, oh, yeah, B6. Yeah, okay. This is 50-50 odds means nothing to me. Uh, <laughs> One. <laughs> One success. And three twos. Ow. Okay. I'm going to have to go to another dice server. Maybe one, maybe one that I can hack. So it says, if you are Flint, add plus one to all rolls. <laughs> all right. So it's kind of, it's really bad and it's in your face. So, so every time you emote or do something, you know, it pulls at the stitches and it just, it's horrible. And maybe it's like Stomos can't quite get at the infection effectively enough so it's kind of pussy and swollen for the first uh, few days so uh you're still at minus two dice at present as as soon as you have a chance to like let the the, the pus drain you're going to be at minus one for the next like week and a half maybe i'll go for the sympathy vote then <laughs> <laughs> so, so if we're going to do this i might as well have a cot next to bruna <laughs> We could play checkers or something. Well, it's not that bad. It's just, it annoys you and it's painful, right? You can probably stay in bed for <laughs> It's a, a constant reminder and a head-splitting headache. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you can get something to chew on for that. But, of course, chewing is painful. Yes. <laughs> and every so often he comes over it and, and lances it so you bleed the pus off. So. Oh, yes. This is where the beer comes in. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, with that result, I thought we're going to move ahead like a day. So uh, we, we can refine our beliefs uh, if we want to. So let's let's go over what we have and and see if there's something you know important that you want to do. I really haven't reopened the breweries. I've just simply got in a position where I have there's to clean smoke. them out. <laughs> smoke just <laughs> a little. So maybe uh, the present step one is is restore the breweries or something. You know, ashes are going right there. Yeah, I will restore the brewery, uh, the uh, restore the Opal Brewery mm. of Scoria Deep. How's that? But it's not going to be called Opal. It's going to be called Spider's Bane. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can use fire opals for the eyes. Yeah, if you got that much money, lad, go right ahead and buy some. I guess you're going to have to sift through the debris to to figure out a way to uh, recover the lost nog recipes. You know, that would be a trick and a half. And then I get the placeholder one. Well, it's a, that, that's where s slabs of stone come in to save you. It seems to be uh, all the rage here in uh, Scoria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as soon as we get back and I found out what happened, the first thing Ufko's going to say is, okay, what happened to the demon? Because you didn't kill the demon. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. I want to no, get a sense I, of I have, I, I have an open placeholder one. Make sure the demon's gone from, from Scoria Deep. Sure. By demon, do you mean do you mean mother? No, no. Ah. The thing that, the thing that possessed Sco Scully. 
We have oh, a history. Okay, okay, okay. Make sure the fire fire elf demon. There you go. Fire elf demon. <laughs> <sighs> well, protect Bruna and Stonebones from the burning spirit. Yeah. Didn't quite happen. Well, uh, I think we resolved <laughs> that last time. I think I gave you a persona for that. So uh, you have. Probably. So that needs to be something else. You could you could leave it open and, and see what happens and write a new one. Or if there's something that absolutely leaps out at you. Yeah. Now we sent word back that we've we've got the scoria. Yes, yes. Uh, they, they may not be there yet. So yeah. Probably a week's journey. It only took us three years, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it took you a little over two weeks. But but uh, <laughs> they're they're not an expedition, so yeah. travel a little faster. You know, all those brewing uh, wanes. <laughs> <laughs> Go slow. This tunnel is too is too narrow. We'll have to broaden it. <laughs> All right. The prince's beliefs are, are perfectly reasonable for for the present. There may be things happening that, that may, you know, give you an opportunity to change things around or refine them, which is good. Which is good. Do we still have a slate or are you off drinking coffee? I'm here. Okay. There, there's the belief at the bottom. I want to find out about the Goodhart family. Uh, you wanted to get information out of the, uh, the Breccia dwarves? Yeah. So it was possible that they may, maybe, you know, maybe they buggered off to Breccia the rest of your family. So that would be something to amend, maybe like add a line to that, like um, uh, ask the Breccia dwarves for help or, or I don't know, phrase it however you would like, right? Maybe you want to pump them for information or steal information. I don't know how you would prefer to do it. it, That seems to be like um, the guiding belief, at least for the present. And if uh, something comes up, you may, maybe you would like to amend something else. So it's, Maybe a day later, after the the whole kerfuffle in the in the um, breweries and the madness in the um, in the infirmary, or vice versa, uh, or both, we open up on a a hall, like a um, more cramped hall, uh, out in somewhere in Scoria. We know this because uh, it's crowded with uh, various like serpent people, men, and a group mm-hmm. of them are sitting around like this fire. They're, they're taking like uh, some kind of meal, um, a meager meal. Uh, they're having some kind of discussion over their food. And one of them who's completely shaven headed, like, like Rom was, but he doesn't have the same markings, the, the same like paint. He's uh, saying to the rest, I don't know about this holiness of, uh, I don't know about the holiness of these dwarves. Uh, you, you can, you can tell the serpent is not happy with them. Think of the fire in the infirmary. There was no source for it. And another guy, um, like across from from him, uh, stands up, but it's not in a like violent way. It's more measured, and he uh, points to him and, and says, um, "You are a fool. You were not there when the war engines went and spoke with the serpent's voice. These dwarves know what they are doing, and I'm sure that they are the serpent's chosen, same as we are, just different." The first one growls that dwarves slew the prophet on his seat. The making of some fiery toy is no recompense for that and uh, you know there's a bit of grunting around the the fire as as the others agree and as he's saying that this like water fetching girl interrupts like she's um she's maybe a little younger she's carrying like a an earthen amphora or something like a a vessel with water uh she says you are all deaf and blind in the snake's belly the great lady is our prophet now and just as rom himself willed it it's her voice we must follow and she says we will bury Rom and leave. The, the guy who's, who's standing, 
who has like kind of long hair in a in a weird bun. He he makes the sign at her, kind of like kind of like a peace sign, but with the fingers curled, so it kind of looks like claws. And he sort of marks her with it and says, "It is not a woman's place to speak for the serpent." The rest of the warriors around the the fire kind of mimic his sort of sign at her, at which like she rolls her eyes. But the first, uh, the guy, the guy who's, who's bald, he says, uh, it's not a dwarf's place either. Um, and believe the serpent will rise in anger and cast the unworthy from his sight. And, um, when he said that, there's just silence from the others and they look at each other in this sort of unsure. They're fanatics in a sense, but at the same time, the idea of the serpent rising or appearing is kind of an, a scary thing for all of them, obviously. The girl at this point just snorts in disgust and turns around and leaves. The last thing we see is sort of this close-up of the fire. The, we sort of go toward the fire, and one of the coals splits open. No, no, none present see this, just we. And uh, when the coal splits open, the inside reveals the face of a dragon. Bum, bum, bum. So we cut away from that, <laughs> and uh, we open up on, on you know, Fandral's council table. In the, the hall you've appropriated, the, the old, uh, like, clan hall for you. We have Fandral there, Flint is there, Ulfkill is there, Roar is there, Sigibert is there with a bunch of books and charts and notes. And anyone else you can think of that you would like to have present for a debriefing. This is like the scene where, where we're all telling the prince, like, okay, this is, this is what's been going on in the last day. If there's anyone you can think of that you would like to be there besides these people. Well, so well, now all the bre- all the brewers are there. Are, are, would they so, be invited? Are they like on council table well, privileges? With they're, the part, they're part of the guild. This isn't a brewers guild meeting. No, no. All right. Okay. So you're kind of the head brewer. That's why you're here. But but yeah. It's a cabinet session. Okay. I think we should have stone okay. bones here because you know it's always good to put the GM on the spot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to, who, who of the brewers actually can write? It's um, not me. I'm sure someone does. I'll just make Bear. She, cause she seems to be the most put together person in the bunch. <laughs> so you, I don't know. So she's like there as your writer or advisor or something? Um, secretary. Secretary, okay. <laughs> so we can, so we can keep, keep note, notes of things, you know. And... Right, she keeps your secrets. That, that's the kind yeah. of secretary she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's gotta write down the recipes as we find them. Yeah. Slate is conspicuously absent. So, so Sigibert begins to speak first. Like he says, he says, the great beer and, and the pyre for Lord Rom, uh, the late Lord Rom is, it's finished and, um, the preparations have begun. The, the burning is in, in, in progress. And, and I believe once that is done, the lady will rally her people and, and they will leave Scoria as, as, uh, as agreed. And he sort of uh, flips through like some sheets of paper, um, like notes and other bits, just to make sure that he's not forgetting something. Realizes that, well, that was all. And then he sort of draws himself up and, you know, composes himself at, uh, and nods to Fandral as if like, that, w- that was my report. That sounds good. The sooner they're gone, the better. Roar gives a, a, a grunt of agreement. Now, do, do any of them, are, are they all going to leave or are they all members of this fire cult? Do we know? I presume that's uh, old Kellyan character. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's just wondering. They all seem to be believers in the, the same religious structure there, so we'll encourage any hangers-on to leave with the rest. Um, 
Sigibert looks at you as if like like if you'll permit. Like he doesn't say it, but he you know he has that soliciting look, right? Uh, yes. Oh, if if you'll permit, uh, uh, I I have spoken at length with with, uh, with Lady Villari, and as with any greater cult or culture, there will always be people who don't always disagree, but they seem to have a very strict sense of hierarchy and who does what. I, I would not be terribly concerned with uh, a few staying. Or, or if there were a few staying, I, I believe they would be very few, few enough that that any small retinue of dwarves could kick them out as as the princess. Well, let's let's not to be ha- be too hasty with kicking them out. They do have connections on the surface, and there's still supplies that we need here before Scoria is self sufficient. So maintaining traffic with the humans might be distasteful, but might be productive for us as well. We'll evaluate that when the time comes. Uh, drinking our water, says Roar. Or eating our food. They dwell I, in our halls. That's not right. I I mean, if they wish to stay uh, here, then maybe they should make themselves a little village at, near the entrance. And then there they... they, they, they <laughs> <reside. laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the human ghetto. <laughs> we'll deal with that issue if it comes up. Oh, let me tap that one off for you there, Flint. <laughs> okay, it's Flint standing there with his <laughs> face bandaged. <laughs> we got we got to make sure the the bandages don't cover the mouth, though. Just <laughs> if we can't drink beer and we can't talk, what good are we? It's sort of down down the side of your face and over one eye and all that. I have to have somebody invent the dwarven straw. <laughs> We'd make it out of lead and we roll it up and oh. make it extra sweet. <laughs> so Roar looks to to Flint and Stonebones. He slams his fist uh, on the table and. Now I want you to tell me what happened to to Scully. I hear you hacked him to pieces in your infirmary. Why is that? Stomos looks very uncomfortable. It was a terrible situation. It, uh, Scully was uh, taken by the fire spirit that... Uh, I knew it! Ca- I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you kill it? At this moment, I think Bear is sort of looking at at crazy Ulfkel, uh, kind of like, oh dear, oh my. <laughs> we drove it away. How does one kill it except by excising the, the host? My liege, it's somewhere in here. It's looking for another victim. We have to find it and, and do something with it. It probably went back to its old haunts. Just, just, just cordon off that... <sighs> Forsaken brewery. Why would it go to New Haunts when it has a when it had a room full of new victims? It's a spirit. It's like a ghost, right? It's bound to where it died or whatever. It's not creeping around looking for a new host. Does anyone here have vengeful spirits wise? No. If anyone does, I'm the closest. I think someone's learning it. <laughs> Should have something in that tune, I think. Oh I do. Actually I do have vengeful spirit wise. <laughs> Would you like to make a... <laughs> sure! <laughs> make your opinion known? <laughs> what, what does Ulfkel suspect has suspect happened? That, that, like it did last time, it fled its victim and, it, and it's now probably inhabiting another an, another body or, or or another item. It was it was possessing the cup, I think, and then it, then they left the cup into Scully, and now it's into wherever the... It, for all we know, it's in... It's in the chamber pot. No, <laughs> yeah, it could be or Flint's axe. Could be in Flint's axe, for all we know. Yes, John, hate you. Really, I do. 
What what are we rolling against? Is it a uh, routine? Okay, so I think you're rolling against torture player. Yeah. <laughs> in order to like make a declaration about like mm-hmm. how the spirit operates, mm-hmm. I think that's a very simple, like basic, like one of the few things you learn earliest. But besides like mm-hmm. these are the popular urban myths or, or you know, popular stories about um So one or two? Uh, I'd say one, which is double to two. And it's six it's your perception, right? I made it. You made it, just barely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everyone's rolling so many ones. In that case, yeah, I'd say Ulfkel is able to give a, a, a convincing account, not only of like uh, how the spirit would move, but you might be able to give an example from a, a different story. And also from my experience of it from, moving from your from experience, the top. but could also pull upon, draw upon, mm-hmm. like, oh, I remember this story, by the way, over there, and and you know that had that spirit that jumped from this to that, and and uh, much horror was you know happening. This spirit doesn't doesn't need a living body; it just needs a receptacle, something appropriate. Ooh, looking I'm, at Flint's I, axe, I'm yeah, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be a person. It keeps looking at Flint's axe. <laughs> <laughs> we need a priest. We should send for a priest. I thought of Kel was our priest. Uh, but by the by, yes, yes, uh, this is something I wanted to bring up. The dwarfs, generally speaking, by the last path, don't have holy people. The holiest people they, they have are like craftsmen or uh, brewers or like you're kind of instead of having like uh, a church you go to to uh, sort of commune with the divine. You achieve the divine by your crafts, right? So, which is why you have such a like great appreciation for craftsmanship and the, the perfect beer. That is like God to you. I'm an auger, so yeah, so yeah, yeah, I am the local priest. Yes, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> so, so we need a blacksmith to exercise uh, the axe. Yeah, we got to determine if it's if it if it's possessed or not, my lord. My, my lord. How do we do that? I have to research it. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. If Paul was here, he'd know what to do. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. You might you might want to call <laughs> on Paul. Who's your swiftest runner? And he's looking at Flint. Well, right now Flint is looking kind of um, hurt. <laughs> <laughs> His swiftest runners are already heading towards. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll it's see what comes back. Tomorrow about now. Yeah. Speaking of yeah, scouts, but- says uh, says Roar. No offense to you, Wolfkel. I'm sure the spirit thing is very very dangerous and important. He doesn't really care. He turns to the, to Fanlon and says, "The scouts we sent sent north to the to scout the Scoria dwarves have not returned, and uh, it does not like them, as Flint will attest. They usually report in at least at least once every day and a half if they are ranging far or near, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'm concerned about this. This could don't, this could mean that they have either been captured or that they are dead or something. That's important. We'll have to investigate with a little more force." Right, that is what I'm thinking. And he thumbs his axe in his belt. Well, once we get these human scum out of Scoria, of course. I'm not going to be helpful evicting humans at this time. I'll see about putting a party together to look for our scouts. <laughs> okay. Still most, by the way, beside you is like, even you in your like half-blind hurt state can tell that he is like, he would rather be somewhere else. Stone bones. Mm-hmm. It looks like... You look anxious. Uh, how are the, the rest of your charges doing? Uh, uh well, none, none were, were burned too severely by, by the fire. Um, and he's like, he's not really looking either Roar or Fandral in the eye. He's sort of just lifting his 
gaze enough to like indicate them or with nods. Mm-hmm. What about dear Bruno? Not- when will she back be back on her feet? Sure, it will be soon, but I don't think that's um, any subject that is necessary to bring up at this kind of meeting. Well, we're talking about scouts, and I'm down one. Well, she, she won't be able to help you any time. Not, not right away. Her leg is still broken. Ah, stone takes time to mend. Aye, it does. It does. Ooh, yes, speaking of our beloveds, uh, my liege. Uh, I wish, I wish, I wish to send, send a word to my, to my, to my betrothed. Berglin, the smithy. She would make a fine addition to our troop here with her apprentices. She could reopen one of the smithies and get to work at arming us with proper weapons again. Well, that sounds fine with me. We we uh we have we have weapons, Israel. What we need is bodies. She'd be bringing her her her, her smiths with her, and you don't know them. They're all you know uh, a yard across and a, and a yard thick. <laughs> <laughs> he crosses his arms over his chest. They're also very thick. <laughs> Expecting my letter to Frey after our success here, it will be able to send more support to us. Mm. Says I. <laughs> <laughs> an, an, an I from, from Ulkil, okay. Sigibert pipes up and goes, uh, like he nods to Ulkil and says, uh, Master Nogger Ulkil, um, is there anything I should take into account in the accounts? Needs for 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 your your brewery project. Um, anything I I should know before sending more runners to tomorrow. Eggs. Eggs. He, I, he looks. Make, <laughs> he looks really like surprised. Like what eggs? Is that what you need? <laughs> we have to make the nog of beginnings to to inaugurate our reopening of Scoria, and I need eggs. Lots of them. A gross. Uh, it might be easier to transport the chickens. Well, uh, how do we get them here? I need a, I need a gross of eggs. A week on the road, I don't think those would be fresh eggs. Aye. So chickens make makes a good idea. Perhaps we could go and see if there are any wild ones out there. It doesn't have to be chickens. It could be, you know, any any egg. Sigurd, well, meanwhile, it's scratching furiously <laughs> among his notes. What what is What is the season outside? Was it summer, spring? Stone? Stone? <laughs> you know, I forget, but... Um, well, uh, we were harvesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was harvesting. There would be no bird's eggs yeah, in, okay. so we would need chickens. Perhaps you can ask among the humans, maybe they have chickens, I don't know. Oh, certainly. Uh, you'd parley I... with them. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> he has a bit of uh, cachet with them now after being the fire wielder. And I, and I pet my little pony keg. And I have something to trade with, too. So um, we'll yeah. see what we can do. Uh, I don't know. Did I, did I explain that? Did I convey that via Bregor, maybe? Yeah, they, they don't seem like... Um, they don't, they're, they're not the drinking kind. <laughs> oh, that's right. They're, they're not trustworthy, well, according to Ulf Keller. <laughs> that's right. Yes, they didn't drink. They're teetotalers. Use you your reputation as, as the, the dragon maker or something. <laughs> Actually, do I have a reputation of Dragon Maker? Uh, maybe you should. We'll see when we get to the trade mode. So, so Sigurd looks up. He finishes his scrolling, and he says, uh, "Anything else? Uh, building materials?" Um, oh no, we, we can do that ourselves. Once we once we make to the entrance, we can head out to the forest and cut down trees, and then uh, maybe look for wild barley. Wouldn't it be faster uh, to just send for for all of it via regolith? He just looks to Fandral and then to you and. 
I look at Bear and she, and she sort of shrugs and says, mm. "Yeah, yeah, I, I, totally." That was what I was going to say. Like she's shrugging. Yeah. <laughs> it was harvest, so do you think they have any spare barley? Well, we do stockpile. She says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like if she if she wants to sit there and grease the wheels among her own people, of course they can be the breadbasket for uh, Regolith and Scoria. They probably are the breadbasket for for score for for Marl at least, right? Themselves yeah. and Marl. So if we just you'd have to call in greater greater quantities, well, you could possibly yeah. do it. Yeah, or I mean she, she's like, yeah, uh, it's not impossible. You write a note to 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 the whoever is in charge. Uh, you understand. Yeah, Ufkel, even though he buys from them all, the time, bought from them all the time, he doesn't actually know who who they are. They're just the moral, just just the, the regular farmers. <laughs> it's the regular co-op. So um, there, there's a, a loud sort of banging at the at the doors out in the hall, and uh, one of the like um, axe bears on on duty, you know, looks to Fandral and then heads off to answer it. Um, says Sigibert, I I think that's it then. Unless someone else has something they need to. Bring up. Is there anything unusual? We've heard tales about this witch. Flint's going a bit insane. Is there many other un- unusual occurrences such as this? <laughs> uh, well, Roar grunts something about the the burning in the infirmary and looks angrily at Stonebones. Yes, that's a, another example. The singing witch who is singing below, from beneath us someplace. No offense, says, says Roar, but that Good heart dwarf can be, he could just as well be crazy. Possibly, but if there's something real behind his craziness, it'd be better to know about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, it may not be a witch, but there may be something. Speaking of the good hearts, he's looking around. Where's Slate? <laughs> as you say that, the, the, the axeberry comes back and uh, he has Bregor in tow. And, you know, Bregor kind of gangly and all that next to all of you, but he does his best to sort of incline his head to all of you. And he says, um, uh, uh, Prince, uh, Fa- no, no, he first he says the wrong thing. He's like, Lord, Fa- I, uh, Prince Fandral, the promised, uh, retinue of Brekia dwarves are at the gates. Shall I send for them? Uh, yes, it's time we had a talk with them, yes. All, all right, all right. Shall I send here? Or would you prefer a different meeting place? I'll meet them in the throne room. Oh, yes, of course. He meets Roar's uh, smoldering, un- unappreciating glare, and then sort of just nods to himself a couple of times, and then he, he heads off. Flint, maybe you can go with him in case uh, there needs any uh, dwarven human translation going on. <laughs> I oh, will oh, do, uh, sir. Allow me, says Sigibert, and, you know, you know, poor Flint is um, is so... Um, so, yes. Indeed. He's bloody wounded is what he is. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to be delicate, but trust Ophel not to be. <laughs> Perhaps both of you. Is that agreeable, uh, Prince? Certainly. Both of you. go. Well, I'm... All right, then. <laughs> the prince has spoken. And I want to see these Brekia dwarves uh, firsthand. All right, you 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 hobble off and and uh, catch up to um, Bregor while Sigibert. while I guess the others or whoever you now want with you in the throne room sort of shuffle off there. Probably my brace of uh, X bears laying in the hall just for show. Let's cut to uh, like the gates 
Flint is, is standing there with, with Sigibert and Bregor and, and, um, you know, Bregor is adjusting his, his male harness and, uh, you know, his, his trousers and all that and attempting to be vaguely formal looking. Sigibert is, is just kind of in his element, right? Cause he's used to dealing with, with nobility and envoys and all that. A calm, diminutive dwarf, not very tough looking, but clearly like, Yep, I got this. What's Flint's uh, general demeanor and appearance? Probably a little bit grimmer than his usual likable and chuffing self. He'll bring uh, the gruffness and the intimidation. <laughs> All right. Let me scratch, yeah. scratching his bandage. <laughs> Either or fingering his axe. Yeah, All right. The one with the burning blue flame. Hey! No. I do have a question for these brickia doors before we get assembled and head out. One of our healers uh, oh, may have they're come not here, here. They're not here yet. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You have. Jumping uh, of the gun. Yeah. I think that the gate cracks open and uh, a pair of human watchmen walk through and, uh, you know, nod to you, uh, you three. Yeah. And uh, they begin to, like, open the gate that side of the gate because it's big enough to allow very broad amount of people or wagons so it's enough with the one gate and it's like ponderously uh swinging open as they're they're you know pushing it because they they don't know that you use a mechanism for it but whatever it works lovely dwarven architecture yes (laughs) beyond that uh portal beyond that that uh gate half you can see maybe 40 dwarves they're decked out in uh, cloaks and uh, like fur trimmed cloaks. They have pretty exquisite armor, but it's sort of an odd looking armor. Uh, if Ulfkel Ulfkel were here, he would be able to say, Oh, right. I remember that. And when, from when they came to camp, it kind of looks like uh, a combination of mail and lacquered wood, very like polished. Uh, they, they appear to have axes and all that. It's foreign enough to be a little weird, but it's familiar enough to be like, oh, obviously, you know, they're dwarf. It's the dwarven way of doing that or that or, or clearly, you know, designed after their locality, uh, based on what they have, the resources. They begin to file in at the head of it, head of this like, um, 40 dwarf throng is a, a slightly bent, very old-looking dwarf. His hair is, like, long gray. He has this great long beard. Uh, he looks more like a cross between Gimli and Gandalf than he does uh, a super-armored D&D dwarf. One of his eyes is sort of half-shut, uh, and he has the a sort of a bright gleam in the other one as he's sort of surveying everything, and, and he walks forward with a cane, a gnarly cane. He spots uh, you three, and, and of course Sigibert steps forward and makes a necessary obeisance. Uh, however, you dwarves do it. That's interesting, actually. How would you dwarves do it? Well, what's like this customary, the customary dwarf-like greeting when you, when you when you meet dignitaries? I still imagine that it's handshakes because yeah. you cannot have an axe in your hand. Oh, that's true. Maybe the whole like you grip the wrist and then you grip each other's upper arms as well. Chicken for weapons in the sleeves, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The leader dwarf, you know, he shifts his cane to the other hand and then extends his arm to Sigibert, who does the the secret dwarven handshake. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or it's a secret to non-dwarves. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They both give each other a a sort of grunt of of, uh, accord, and um, Sigibert says, um, Prince Fandral... What's, what's the term, you know, holder of the dragon throne of Scoria, Prince of Marl, and um, all that stuff, like fancy titles, uh, await you in, in the uh, throne room. I ask you, please, to excuse its current 
condition. It is an unfortunate result of the previous, its previous tenant. The dwarf sort of uh, nods sagely and he says, that is, that is no concern. Uh, we understand. Uh, mind the blood. Mind the cracks in the, the, the sulfuric, <laughs> volcanic-looking, horrible pits. <laughs> we've been working on that. Yeah, we've been working on that. They're probably sort of bridged over and some of them are, are patched. But, uh, yeah, it's still not it's still not up to its former glory. It's only been a few days. So, yeah, he nods and, and he says, uh, I am Seneschal Gurm. Uh, and I represent, of course, the Princess Fena of Brickia and, well, other holdings. When he says that, he's sort of waving his cane about as if to, you know, indicate that there are plenty more somewhere. Please do show us forth to this prince of the south forthwith. And Sigbert's like looking over his shoulder around the dwarves like, uh, am I to understand your, your princesses among you? And Gurm nods and says, yes, incognito, you never know about these humans, what they might do if they knew there was a princess among among a number. Sigibert's like, oh, um, all right. May, may I present to you the... Uh, he's not sure how to address or how to, like, present Flint, so he's, like, just... I give him uh, that. Princess uh, aid. Princess <laughs> is like, just, I'll, I'll smile uh, as best I can. Excuse the bandages. Rough day. Shake his hand. Says, "Sir, I am the scout captain for the prince." I, I, and uh, you go by what name? I am Flint of the Goddardams. He, th- there's a like moment, like a small moment where you can sh- can swear there's a, like a hint of surprise in in his eyes, but then he, so he sort of goes back to peering superbity yeah. and, 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 and smugness, and not superbity and smugness really, but you know, the, sort of. Well, if he's got a sharp eye, he'll know I have a Goddardam ring on each hand. On each hand. <laughs> yes, because I have I two of them. From the, from the, that was the, the, okay, they're not identical. Yes. One, one is this old, old clan ring, right? And the other is the, uh, uh, like the signet, the ring you found in the, the other brewery. Yes. I think that's an excellent point. I think when you say that, there's a brief hint of surprise, and then he sort of looks down and sees your fist. That's also part of the handshake. Yeah. It's a, you check out each other's bling. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> he has, like bling of his own, but you don't immediately recognize any of the like the symbol symbols. Clan wife, use your clan wife. <laughs> Says we're we're not going to sit there and ponder it and lick the ring to see what it's made of. So, <laughs> but oh, well. it is something to note in case I see that symbol again, or if I need to forge a copy. <laughs> a scout's got to think of these things. <laughs> you need to forge a call. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. You, you don't know them. All right, so he, you know, nods head and you, you lead the way. As a scout always does. I will literally lead the way and I will let uh, Sigurbert walk parallel with or uh, in line with our dignitaries. Oh, yes, the dignitaries. And, okay. and, and, and he can do the political platitudes and, and say, and hey, here we're going to install a new set of apartments, and over here we're working on a brewery, and hey, have you heard about that spider-burning party we had? <laughs> Sigibert, I think Sigibert is kind of tight-lipped. He's, he's, uh, oh, well. he, he's more like excusing the humans being there and, and sort of the crowding and the present look of it and all that. But, 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 it's a you know, upper. yeah, be, be sure that it will be returned to its former glory. But yeah, he's not, he's not super, uh, open or, or revealing anything. 
Okay. See, that's a difference between ha- ha- having the luck- lucky and lighthearted Flint. I use luck. Or Ulfkel, he about, oh, you, he, he would like be, oh, you should see our breweries. Oh, remember. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and we'll dutifully lead them up. Um, 40 to see the, the prince all at once does seem a little extreme. I'm assuming that most of the party is going to stay at, at the foot of the, uh, hall. Uh, do you bring this up when you get to the, the steps? I, I will mention it because, hey, uh, I guess I'm in charge of security now. Uh, Sigibit nods to you and, and he looks to Gurm and, um, Gurm shrugs, uh, knowingly and he sort of waves his, uh, his cane and, um, 30 of them sort of set up shop. Now that there's only 10. Oh yeah. Is there one that obviously stands out as a princess type? There's one of them that look a bit bulkier with the with one a with the bumps hood, with a deep hood over their head. Well, Flint's an idiot. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll walk over and uh, look her up and down. Says, "Do you wish to be announced?" Hmm. The figure turns to you, and you see like the hint of um, a very well sculpted, impeccable woman, dwarf woman's chin under the the drawn down uh, hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe a gleam of something underneath, but that, that's when Gurm, like, takes your shoulder and, like, turns you around. It's like, well, let's not dispense with the, with the etiquette just like that. Let's, uh, get on with it. We have important people to see. It is my duty to make announcements upon entrance into the hall. You have been told who is coming. Now, now, young dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So be it. <laughs> You could combat him if you really wanted to, but I mean, I just like it depends on how much and while I like losing. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a lot easier to hit those uh, difficult and challenging cuts now that you're down a couple of dice. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think what we're going to do, how we're going to do this is yeah with with the party of ten. Okay, what what is Germ's uh, title again? Champ Seneschal. Not- Seneschal. Seneschal. At the foot of the, of the hall, when we go inside, Flint will take his axe and pound the butt. I don't know if we do it against the floor as tradition <laughs> or if we have a place for uh, pounding and announcing. <laughs> but <laughs> that, he'll just shout up because of the wonderful dwarven acoustics. Oh, yeah. Seneschal gum and dignitaries. Sigibur is like leaning over to you like, Princess Fennel Brekia. And Princess Fennel Brekia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know. Did you mean to get that wrong, or, w- or was I just... Um, I probably got it wrong accidentally. He meant to get it right. All right, okay, okay. So you Let's get it right. say again? Fena. F-E-N-N-A. F-E-N-A. Okay. And I was I was thinking of herbs and spices. Oh, Fena. No. <laughs> like henna, except for the net. And at that moment, you know, the, the, the nine... Dwarf axe bears apparently remaining take off their helmets and they they hold them under an arm uh, and you know take a position behind and around and Gurm steps forth but uh, waits the guy at the back uh, comes over to the the figure in the middle and you know takes off the whole like outer cloak and underneath this cloak we see blinding for a moment in the in the this throne room may be a bit cracked and all that but it's still reflecting light from outside around the room with its various like mirror polished stone walls and all that so that light reflects blindingly in this dwarven male that's been 
It's been reinforced like the other dwarves with, with wood, but this lacquer is like a kind of rainbow oily mother of pearl type lacquer. And it's set with jewels and like underneath the, the, the outer cloak, she has on this undercloak, right? That's like fur trimmed around the, like a big exquisite fur trimmed collar. And her face is like previously adverted to, right? Just this impeccable dwarven princess's face it's strong it's broad it's also delicate in the right way her hair is just voluminous and full and oiled and combed and braided in these two thick braids going down the sides of her shoulders it's like unveiling a treasure like unveiling the most precious treasure you've ever seen so are you saying i need to make a greed roll do you have beauty as um <laughs> Actually, I do. Who else is present in here that has beauty? Like, is Oldkill here, or I'm probably here. Yeah, but no, no, no. Craftsmanship is mine. All right. If anything, he he sit there and realize, okay, at least two handmaidens were working on that hairdo of hers. <laughs> <laughs> See, this yeah, mine is. Beauty? I, no, I, I take that back. I do have beauty. Oh, okay. Oh, it's Fandal that doesn't care about. No, you, oh. you, you care about power, not craftsmanship. That's the way it is. Yeah. She is a stunner in every possible way. Oh, I should mention, like, she has an axe, but it's a slightly smaller axe. It's more like a, a handy dandy, like, it's not the big, crazy, split up goblin heads axe. It's slightly smaller and more flexible. It's a hand Ceremonial. Axe. Uh, kind of hand axe, yeah. Not tomahawk kind of hand axe, but, you know, in, in that middling a, range. A, uh, and, a ceremonial axe. Yeah. yeah. Well, let, let's do the, the greed thing first. Uh, ready for failure. I can't wait for like a three-way of I must have it here. <laughs> What's our obstacle? Just our hesitation? The obstacle is your, is your hesitation, yes. Or our greed. So I got five versus five. Or, or your greed exponent if that is higher. That's what I was afraid of. Okay. So my hesitation is five, my greed's five. So wherever it is, it's five. I get a bonus die because I'm engaged. <laughs> No. You're Same a, here. You're a dwarf. <laughs> the greed oh, exists God. as a, a counterpoint to the very organized and, and hierarchical dwarven society, right? It's the playing a dwarf is sort of going between your oaths and your strict society and the greed that just wants to pull you down into the abyss. Mm-hmm. So this no is bonus. why I have a greed of B4. I, I'm, I'm the least uh, influenced by that. <laughs> probably, probably. It's a steel test, and you roll against either your hesitation or your greed exponent if that is higher. And in Flint's case, it is not. Your hesitation mm. is five, so that's higher. What does it count if I make it, and what does it count as if I fail it? Is it different? It counts as just having to make it is a routine a greed test. The steel test is like any other steel test. You know, you compare it to the dice. Even if I fail it, it's still just a routine greed test. Yes, yes. And is this open-ended? or is Steel is, def- is open-ended by default. All right, so I re-rolled at six. No, I failed by two points. Uh, you can also spend a fate to re-roll a traitor if you wish, because uh, it's open-ended by default. Sure, I'll spend a fate point. Ah, okay. Uh, okay, I missed it by one. So I'll do the traditional stand and drool. All right. I'll throw a persona and give myself a little bit better chance here. Oh, no! Oh, dear God. <laughs> well, I'll spend a fate to try to reduce the... The extensive length of time I'm drooling. 
All right. <laughs> this is why the throne room is long. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you that uh, that edge you need uh, to not appear. <laughs> no. You do hear. You do hear. You know. Do you hear? Isn't isn't she beautiful? Uh, six actions of drooling. Wow. Okay. So I got three successes. That's four. So two two rounds drooling. Unless <laughs> you were run Ulf down there and grab her. Ulfkel is the least moved. <laughs> Still moved, but the least moved. Remember your remember you betrothed. Oh yeah, Berglin, Berglin, think Berglin. Yes. <laughs> Berglin would look nice in that outfit. It's like oh that's yeah, nice would. armor. Oh Berglin. <laughs> Actually, you know, thinking about it, it would be the armor more more like more likely. Yeah. I mean, he's looking at the armor, going oh. Yep. Mother of well, I mean, it's craftsmanship as well, but I'm not going to make you do double greed tests. Okay, they must be trading with the humans to get that mother of pearl. <laughs> after, after she gets like a quarter way up the stairs, he's going, okay, they must have be trading with the, with the, oh, he, he, he realizes and he bows. <laughs> if Liz is just hanging back meanwhile, I guess, just, uh, uh we're just going to stand and draw, but we're going to utter something like magnificent. <laughs> I think Gurm shoots you like this leer. <laughs> the the procession begins to walk up the steps and you're left behind there a moment. <laughs> exactly. Luckily, luckily, Fandral has all the time in the world to sit and drool because it's going to take a little while for these to be dwarves to reach. A platform. So, so I, I imagine that they go up. Eventually, dwarves go. Oh yes, bow. Like the dwarves <laughs> around the room, like the axe bearers, are like yeah. some of them are forgetting their yeah duties, and then like they do it afterwards, very awkwardly. But anyway, now now that you know the initial shock is over, or you know given the initial hit of greed, you realize that as a contrast to all this gaudy glory, she has a big crude necklace on. Uh, outside of the armor, and it is just hung from end to end with these huge goblin ears. Some have painted markings, some have holes in them, some have notches in them, like various tribal markings, which is is interesting. If anyone has goblin-wise, you might feel inclined to test that. I'll try it untested. What the hell? Sure. Based on perception? Yes. Uh, It would be like ob... So many of them. It's all once. It's all, it's uh, obstacle to two. Wow. Now I get the good roll with two sixes. Okay. You see the ears now, suddenly. And, I mean, the closer she gets, the more you recognize the markings. And it's, you can, t- how many, you got successes? Four over two. You can swear that some of them are like tribal war chief markings. Pretty, you're pretty sure that these are war chief ears. If I can get, if I can get more, I do have two sixes I can open up. Oh, do. All right. And one of those is a six. Oh, cool. <laughs> Keep rolling. Okay, so that's six successes. Oh, but one success. Okay, so six successes. You have enough time to, like, squint a little. The closer she gets, you get an estimation of how many they are. And something in the back of your head, you remember these stories about the 66 great chiefs of the North that used to be this horrendous foe that would just never relent and they, they were just impossible to get at. They, they would just dominate the whole like it's part of why uh Brekia was so isolated and they have to use other, you know, materials and stuff. Even even before Scoria fell, going north to Brekia was kind of chancy because there were so many strong goblin tribes in that area. These appeared to be the tribal war chief's ears of every one of them. They've been cleaning house. Now, whether she did it herself or someone was nice oh. enough to grab them on this on necklace on a necklace for her, that's you know the jury's still out. 
impressive nonetheless. Oh yeah. Okay. So you know, she she draws up. Uh, the Gurm is is walking ar- along next to her with the you know the his little cane and it's smacking on every step. It's almost like an announcement in itself. Every time it it comes closer, it it brings you more out of the whole drooling days. How nice of him. <laughs> he didn't mean to. But if this was like a movie, we wouldn't see it at first. Like we would see Fandral looking at all the ears and we would just hear it in the background sort of distantly. And the longer like he looks at the ears and, and he remembers things and uh, and stuff, the more clear the knocking becomes until we see like this shot of Gurm drawing closer until he sets down the cane on the platform where the th- throne is in a final like boom. And it's like, yes, now they are here. And now that you're in front of her, like she has these, her eyes under her like heavy dwarf brows are just these green orbs of of like impeccable mountain crystal. Her face, while beautiful, she doesn't look pleased. She doesn't look excited. She doesn't look like she's openly hating anyone here. But you you can tell that she's not here on a nice errand like to bow the knee and be... Like, hey, let's. <laughs> we are not amused. Let's just throw a party. It's not that kind of meeting. Gurm does his own like, sort of dwarf bow as best as he can. He's clearly a bit old to be doing extensive bowing and stuff. The princess inclines her head and she's looking as much at you as she is the throne you're sitting on. If you're sitting. Yeah. Gurm says, Well, great prince of the south, I present Princess Fena. There he will rise and extend his hand. It's a joy to meet you, princess. Okay. She approaches, clearly sizing you up. Uh, well, she has to make her own greed ro- roll for power. Probably, you know, it's, it's that throne or something. I don't know. <laughs> probably his his fine chair. And you do the, like the customary like dwarf hold, grab the, the handshake, the secret dwarven handshake. Secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a super secret one, though, for us very guard dwarves. Oh! <laughs> is it very different or is it it's not something anyone would see if, if they saw you do it? Something in the grip. Then. All right, that you know. Okay. Oh, it's probably your like test to see if she's really a dwarf, right? <laughs> Awesome. Okay, and yes, I mean she knows it. It's specific pressure on the on the inner side of the inner part of the, of the wrist. You don't know what it is. You're not a Dvergar. <laughs> it's that secret. <laughs> it could be the way they lick their eyebrows. Slate might know it since he's Dvergar too. But Slate isn't here. Scarily enough, she says it is an unexpected pleasure to find a kinsman on this throne. And as she says this throne, she, she's not looking at you, she's looking at the throne past you. It's been many years and a difficult journey to get it back. I was not aware you held it previously. My forefathers. She nods. My father and his father before him. She uh, lets go the grip and she does a little circle around the upper platform to sort of take the room in. She looks back to you and she says... We have a similar errand. I, too, am here to claim what my forefathers left to me, my heritage, and you are on it. And we cut to Slate. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let, screw it. Uh, let's get Slate into this. So, whoomp, cut away from it, cruelly and horribly, and it's it's two days earlier, and Slate and Ty are walking out of uh, the Scoria-like gates, 
toward the north. Slate's dog is in, in tow. Ty is looking very disturbed. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. Oh. <laughs> the dog is biting your ankle as if preventing you from leaving. Okay, well, I'm going to stop and turn around and look at him. He's being impossible. Typical, like, puppy. He's being a puppy. Okay. (laughs) Except that he's much bigger than your usual puppy. Also, you are a dwarf. (laughs) He almost has your entire uh, calf in his mouth. He did pack some um, rolls of gauze and stuff, so he's going to take one out and roll it into a ball and go, Hey, you want this? You want this? He's going to play ball with him, essentially, to tire him out. All right. Let, let's see you make a dog husbandry test. Ooh, um, can I open that? I'd like to open that. Yes, that is that is something that you need to write down and see if you can open it up to see if you can like like tire him out, get him under control, so he, he's not being a nuisance the entire trip. I think it's based on whim. Uh, it is. So. My will is B five at the moment. Uh, and the obstacle is going to be. One, so we're going to double that to two. Two successes to make sure that dog is not being a complete and utter nuisance. Three successes. Yeah, three successes. Oh, cool. Okay, so, uh, yeah, you do what comes natural, apparently. You manage to play with him until he's a bit too tired to keep playing. And that means, of course, he's also a little too tired to be running around like a crazy puppy and checking every <laughs> corner and peeing in places and... and <laughs> He's just going to follow me then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it takes an hour, two, maybe. And then after that, it's like, yeah, I'm following. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are at this time, you've gone into some of the tunnels. Uh, like, that's, that's a question, actually. Do you try to take the obvious underway route toward Breccia? Or do you try to take, like, side tunnels? I don't know my way around here, so I'm gonna try to take the obvious way, okay. unless right. unless Ty says this is a better way or whatever. Well, you, I mean, you could consult him. In if you do, he'll he'll say, well, there there are of course places that would be better to to quarter if you were a big expedition, but we don't know their numbers. They could be small. They could be large. It's re- it's really what would you prefer? Would you prefer to? Try orientating yourself, well, with my help, of course, through the smaller tunnels, or should we just take our chances with the big one? There could be goblins. It could be goblins in either place. All right, let's go through the small tunnels. (laughs) Let's go through the small tunnels. (laughs) The larger ones are more likely to be populated by unsavory things. All right, so you take the side stuff, the Mm -hmm. side tunnels and such. Maybe you With Ty's help. Yes, of course. Okay. Hmm. That would require, like, an orienteering test. Ooh, I think I already am opening orienteering. Okay. I already have one routine test in that. So to not get lost and to keep the road clear through these like winding passages and 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 smaller you know way stations mm-hmm. and the and the service routes between them, it's an ob two, which is going to be an ob four. Uh, I'll give you an, an advantage die for having Ty with you, because he's going to go, oh, well, or too much water, or, or you know, this won't lead the right way. Mm, what's it based on? Uh, I believe it's perception. So I get uh, six dice. Seven. With, with the, Seven. Uh, don't if you succeed, like you know, but... you're not going to have any problems. You're going to orientate your, your way toward a likely place where you might run into these dwarves. And the the odds or f- the favor is going to be on your side. Element of surprise, if you will. If you mm-hmm. don't succeed, uh, you're going to run into something. And you're going to be surprised. Cool. 
Five successes is a lot of successes. It looks like Slate getting all our successes. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he'll need them. <laughs> so what happens is you and Ty take the likely passages. You uh, you avoid certain places that like are clearly too dark. They have the smell that that you immediately understand. It's like oh, something lives in there something bad so you don't go that way and now and again ty will will like stop you and go oh wait uh oh right we're, we went that way and then uh the underway should be that way uh, uh that tunnel what would it take for me to be writing this down the path yeah i, guess. I mean i have paper in my pack if you're writing down directions are you drawing a map or are you writing maybe i'm just drawing a maybe i'm just drawing a line okay in that case you would be learning cartography Ooh, another skill to learn. <laughs> if you want to make a simple map, well, let's make it a one. It's not like if you're drawing a line and making some annotations on it, it might be difficult yeah. to follow later for other people, but y- <laughs> you are going to know, right? So that's a one, which is double to two. So it counts okay. as, a, as a routine test. You can record one right away. No, I don't think Ty is helping me with this one. No, nope. Something you're doing while he's like going around in circles and going, hmm, where, where did we come from? Oh, there. Five successes. Nice. It's way more than you need. You you probably make a slightly better map than you thought you could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're writing down the paces that you've taken to get next to the next tunnel, I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'm also writing like herbs that grow along the cave walls or something. Oh yeah, like you're writing down everything. You you've reached a good point, like in your map, when when Ty's like, shh, hold on, uh, f- further ahead. Can you smell that? And if you take like a sniff, you can smell smoke. Smoke. Um. Okay. Is it is it smoke smoke or is it? Uh, some, it smells campfire like, smoke or it smells like uh like campfire smoke. Okay. Wood smoke. Yeah. I'm gonna put my hand on Ty's shoulders. Like, do you think way out here we're bound to meet allies or enemies? I have no idea. The dwarves are out here, but there could be goblins too, right? Right, let's get closer and take a look. Right, uh, um, why don't I stay here with the dog so he doesn't make noises and you can sneak ahead? <laughs> Sorry, I trust you, but I don't trust you that much. But it's not like I'm gonna run, I have to keep an eye on the dog. <laughs> if he does go, oof, I'm gonna put my hand on his muzzle. There's a probing <laughs> tongue on the inside of your fingers. Aww. I guess I'll throw him a snack to keep him quiet, because I did bring some. All right. Begrudgingly look at Ty, and then just signs like, okay, if you run, I'll make sure every dwarf in our contingency knows about it. Yes, 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 I, I won't run. I, I have an important duty here to make, make sure the dog is safe. You keep him safe, or it's your head. <laughs> he gives you thumbs up. <laughs> I guess I am op- opening stealth because if you don't have it, yes. <laughs> Good golly, I'm learning skills today. This is like teach slate day. <laughs> you can be you can be just like Ufkel. <laughs> so what's the ob? Uh, the obstacle, since since you essentially are catching whoever this is off guard, it's going to be an ob one, which is double to two. So it's still going to be a routine test. It's going to count toward opening stealthy. But you have you have four dice and, and you need two successes. Dang it! Three ones. Wow! You, you begin to sneak forward, rounding this like tunnel corner. You begin to see like the glare of of a, of a fire 
on the on the cave wall or the tunnel wall rather. It's kind of rough, so there's some dispute maybe whether it's a cave or a tunnel. And going down it, you uh, come to what looks like a makeshift shift camp. There's like a little satchel propped up against a wall. There's a, a tiny campfire. Uh, there's an arbalest, kind of odd-looking arbalest with, uh, with kind of dark wood and and, uh, and carvings in it uh, next to the fire. You can hear now that you're you're sort of at the lip of this uh, camp. You can hear the sound of well, you can hear the sound of someone peeing against a wall. I'm definitely going to try and sneak back the way I came because there are people here. And as you turn, you like you step on one of those annoying oh, little bits of stone, and you kick it off into the distance, like smacking against the walls and the and the floor, and the echo is just—I mean, it's naked rocks. So it's like it, it, you know, it's like throwing a vase on the floor. It's that like obvious. Oh goodness! So you can hear a oh shit. We hear it back in the Scoria Deep, <laughs> in the council room. <laughs> But, but the question is, is it a human oh shit or a dwarf oh shit or an elf or a goblin? There's so many kinds of defecation involved. <laughs> so, it's gruff. It's definitely gruff. You know, yes. Uh, out, out of the shadows, uh, around a corner, uh, this, this broad dwarf with a sort of strange segmented dark lacquered armor, uh, sort of chest piece, uh, comes sort of careering. You know, tying up his britches, fumbling for the axe he has in, in his, uh, at his side. He just skids to a halt by the campfire and like, sees that you're a dwarf. He's like, what, what, who are you? Is my back still turned to him or? Uh, I think your back is turned to him. It is turned to him, but you have your head sort of swiveled back so you see what he is, who he is. Okay. Well, I'm going to turn back around because it's impolite to talk to somebody when your back's to them. You'll have to excuse me. I have my willy out. I don't want to turn. <laughs> <laughs> sort of make a really quick, hurried, uh, sketchy sort of bow and go, um, my name's, uh, Slate. <laughs> I was looking to get to, he, he, uh, actually, I'm blinking, so he's going to blink. <laughs> he doesn't want to tell, he doesn't want to tell if he's going to Brekia, because that might be interpreted as, I don't know, hostile activity or whatever. Right, he's so. like, it's like, oh, uh, Scoria, actually. Yeah. <laughs> While you're saying all this, he's sort of un- unslung his axe from his belt and he's standing there not sure what to do. Why don't you give me a falsehood test? Oh, my goodness. You're oh, not I'm definitely lying. <laughs> I'm definitely lying. I don't have anything close to falsehood. Well, congratulations. It's a will-based um, skill. Let me put it under skills that I'm learning. Or turning into Ulfkel. The obstacle is going to be three, which is doubled to six. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't. If you roll a six, you can always use uh, fate to open it. Uh, you also have, I think, four persona. If you absolutely want to succeed in lying, if you succeed, he's going to believe you. Uh, if you don't, he's going to think you're a spy or something. And one to do five d six with obstacle. Well, not to do five d six. Oh, you have two sixes, four successes, and and two sixes. Uh, do I even have enough to pop them? You have one fate. Not gonna. Don't. I'm gonna save it. So. Oh. 
Do it! Do it! <laughs> Seriously, when are you going to get another chance like this? And you can add the fate to your skills. Your your will, actually. Yeah, besides, it's Persona that keeps you alive, not fate. All right, fine, I'll pop it. Hey! You did, you did it! So that is, that is it still counts as a routine test for opening um, Falsehood. You do really well. Like, you can see... You can see that his suspicion, his narrow-eyed suspicion, is slowly melting away, and he sort of lowers the axe, and he's, Well, you ninny, you went past it! Well, maybe you can help me find my way back. Well, maybe. I have things I should do, too, you know. Are you here alone? No, actually, I'm not. All right. Well, I can, I can always take you to someone who might be able to point you in the right direction or help you get there if it was difficult. He's going to holler down the cave for Ty. All right. And the dog. I can hear Ty now. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what you hear. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you can hear the, the paw skittering with claws on the stone before you hear Ty. <laughs> and then Ty is sort of dragged into the, the camp cave uh, <laughs> by a taut line. I forget what you had tied him to, but... Leather leash of sorts. The dog has re- regained a bit of um, vigor and is, of course, like going through the camp one what's inch this? at a time. Ooh, what's like, this? Ooh, what's this? Ooh, what's this? Yes. Ooh, so I'm beat here. Go, yeah. Go, <laughs> <laughs> going into the pack. And the, the dwarf scout, clearly, the scout, the scout, he just r- rushes over to his, his satchel and like, grabs it up. Like, what, what is this beast? That's my dog, I think. I think that's what it's called. You know, and he's sort of trying to defend himself by keeping the dog at a distance with his foot. He's not kicking it. He's just holding him at a distance because the dog is like, oh, 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 new person, new person. Must lick. (laughs) Must sniff crotch. I'm going to whistle for him. We have been practicing the cum thing. So if he's got it, he's got it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. You succeeded with your your animal husbandry pretty pretty well, too. So, yeah, he comes to your side. Good boy. Or fondles his ears, but one of his ears is about the size of my hand, so. <laughs> like I said, you get a saddle when he gets full grown, and you can ride him in a battle. <laughs> yes, I probably can. The um, scout, uh, he, he goes, um, I'm, I'm hunting. Who are you? And he points to Ty, and Ty looks at you. Nods. I'm, I'm Ty. And he's sort of, you know, adjusting himself. He's been trying to help us get to Scoria, but I think he overshot a bit. (laughs) Roll a die of fate. A die of fate? Yes, roll 1d6. Which one is it again? Evens good, odds bad? No, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, if you roll a 1, something particular is gonna happen. No. No. Okay. So, instead of going for the, the, like, what are you saying? We, we just came from, he, he goes, uh, oh yeah, um, I, (sighs) I guess I'm lost. We're from Marl. So yeah, the, the scout dwarf Honding puts his satchel down and, and puts his arms and the, the, at his hips, poses overbearingly and it's like, well, I don't know what Marl's like anymore. We haven't had much contact with you since, since the fall of Scoria. Uh, but, um, well, I suppose you're dwarves. You're welcome to the fire. And, uh, if you absolutely need some help, I can maybe, show you to some of my kinsmen and can get you on the right way. I'm thinking 
And this is just just uh, internal character stuff. I'm thinking maybe Slate is starting to figure out that trying to go to Breckia by himself is a bad idea. No. <laughs> so he's going to accept this help because he could not find his way back to the prince if his life depended on it. Map or no map. He has no sense of direction. Well, you would have to use the map to get back, so yeah. So yeah, I think he's probably starting to have second thoughts and... uh He's gonna take this tour of self and get back to Scoria. And the, and the prince yeah, is okay, okay, okay. really angry at him. Well, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, wrapping up my patrol. You, you can keep up and, um, we'll, we'll get you sorted. And, uh, he, he picks up all of his stuff and, um, straps everything to his body and he, he, um, gets out a lantern and, uh, he lights it from the fire and then he sort of steps all over the fire. Well, what do you do for fun in Marl? As he's like going into the, nearest tunnel. Me, not particularly much. I haven't had much time for festivities. Oh, why are you going to Scoria, by the way? To meet up with... Well, I'll be quite honest with you, to meet up with the prince. Oh, oh, interesting. Are you related? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I don't know, you have a kind of... Well, excuse my saying, sir, you don't have dirt all over you. <laughs> I'm a curgeon. I figured dexed his fingers and he does the, the whole like ridiculous like Finger waving waggling. his fingers around like he in front of you. He he actually likes this dwarf, so he's literally gonna tell him all of like what happened thus far. I love Slate. <laughs> <laughs> Every single bit of what happened that uh they were going to the good heart hold and he had an argument with his great 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 grandfather and he was going to Brecky to try to find out more about his family and then had second thoughts and was turning around to go back to Scoria and yeah. Roll, roll me a die of uh, fate again. Okay. <laughs> you love Slate, huh? Let's just hope the dice love Slate. Ooh. Oh, okay. I think it's a one. Six. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna go with one. So maybe here and there, there are moments where Ty looks like he's he wants to stop you, but it is like he can't quite summon up the courage to, or or like the moment is past because you keep you keep just chugging on with the whole your history and how the expedition went and all that. By the time you reach a bigger campsite, Ty is just you know he he's dragging behind a little and he's looking like really nervous. And if we were privy to his in the inside of his head, it would would be a a, a big huge no. <laughs> no, no! I'm going to be put in the deepest hole, and nobody's ever going to dig me out. The prince will never forgive me. Uh, yeah. Honding takes you to a abandoned way station, which is guarded by more of these like dwarves with uh, like the odd armor. They seem to be using like lacquered wood instead of leather. It's, it's it's well lit. Uh, they have lo- like lots of lanterns and fires. You see some animals, like some um, some some beef. You see uh, hens. You see goats. It, it looks like a military encampment. Clearly, like the way it's organized. He you know stops you, and he walks up to the sentries, and he's like <laughs> points to you and points further in, and they nod and um, just look you over. Like initially. With suspicion, but then once they look you and and tie over and see the dog, they're like, well, probably not a threat. And they, you know, wave you past. 
haunting shows you to uh, what seems like a makeshift canteen where uh, there's, uh, you know, beer, there's water, there's uh, some food. And he just invites you to like, oh, sit, sit, uh, sit yourselves and uh, I'll, I'll get someone who um, will be able to get you the right kind of help. Uh, I, I need to make a report. I bet their beer is not as good as Ufkel's. <laughs> oh, he's going to sit and uh, ask for some water for his dog. All right. Uh, the the dog is met with much suspicion, but uh, nobody's directly yeah, hostile. Given their exposure to humans, they might actually recognize the beast. They know it's a dog, right? They know it's a dog, but keeping dogs is not a huge like dwarf tradition. So it's more like a st- strange, it's a dog beast. What are those humans <laughs> use? <laughs> Maybe it tastes like chicken. Well, they have enough food, but otherwise, yes. <laughs> otherwise, they may be sizing it up. Anyway, uh, it doesn't take long for you to like pile some some um, food on a, on some tin plates and and get um, tankard of something. Ty is clearly like drowning his nervousness and dread with food and drink. Like he's just stuffing himself, which of course garners him slight like evil eye from the the canteen manager whatever you want to call it like the quartermaster for the food it doesn't take too long before this gruff looking bald headed fork bearded dwarf to come up to you he says are you slate tie yes well well you're certainly interesting looking you say you you came from marl a long way from marl yes my name is thought i'm sergeant here a key i i Managed the scouts and um, the others here. I understand you have some problems getting to Scoria. Ah, uh, got lost. Turned around. Uh-huh. How many successes for falsehood did you get again? Six, right? Yeah, six. All right. So Thod uh, sits down like he fills his own tankard. He takes a, a drag and he looks pointedly at Ty, who's like... He stops meeting his, his eye and just looks down into his beer and sort of munches. And then he looks to you and says, why don't you give me the real story? I guess he's going to. <laughs> uh, I'm already deep in. If these are enemies, I'm deep in enemy territory. Why not dig my hole while I'm at it? <laughs> now, you gave up a good deal, a good bit to haunting. And there's no way he's had enough time to, like, give anyone else the full account like he's probably given the sergeant uh, thought enough information to know the, bro- the broad strokes of your like tr- journey to scoria but it, like the, the bit about like going there to see the prince clearly a lie so you, you tell him the truth yeah and then tell him the complete truth all right he sits back and he he drinks the rest of his beer and he says um thank you for being honest that is a good trait for a dwarf good and honorable and your trade is uh, a chirurgeon? Yes. We have some hurt men here who could use um, a good hand. I'd be happy to do my best. Well, that is good to hear. It's great to hear, in fact. Why don't you show me your tools? I've never seen Marl tools before. Oh, he's going to... I assume he has his bag on his back. It wasn't taken from him no, or no, anything? No, no, it wasn't. Oh, he's going to open it up and take some things out and just kind of show him. Okay, so he he looks over the tools and he looks over the bag and he sort of brushes some cave dust off the bag and he looks it over and says, oh, fine workmanship, good leather. It's from my sister. Good sister. And that's where we cut back to the throne room where uh, Princess Fena has just laid down like her intent 
I think the last thing she said was, uh, you know, we we have a similar mission. Uh, I'm also here. Like, I'm here to claim what's owed me by my by my forefathers, and you're sitting on it, right? I put my hand on the throne. Uh, it is magnificent. I can understand his draw. <laughs> I would give you a humor fate, but, you know. <laughs> it is magnificent. So you don't mention anything about other, like, she she says it is not about its craft or its make. It's about what I am owed. Where is Ulfkel, by the way? Are you standing, like, down the corridor somewhere? Like, down the steps? Yeah, Or did, I'm or did you and maybe Flint move up so you're also around the on the platform? No, I'm probably still down the steps because it's princely, princessy, princessy things going on up there. Not my place. And, and that would put Flint at about the same level as Ulfkel because... He, he would have respectfully followed. Uh, well, at least it'll look respectful when he was actually just sitting there drooling. But <laughs> that, yeah, that, that mean, gave her, <laughs> in the essential, a head start. Now, now the, the acoustics here are probably wonderful. So, Oh, yeah. Maybe Flint is on the, the next flight, right? You're not on the top platform, but maybe... Oh, no, no. Like I said, I think I'm on the same level as Ufkel. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So no one, no one's actually there to maybe directly chime in or interrupt these two. No, no, no we'd have to be loud about it. <laughs> sure, but we could sit there and commiserate with ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at all this I, weird. I, yes, uh, no, these words were. In, go ahead. You were asking an out-of-game question. I was making an in-game comment, so you go first. Well, I was just thinking that all the dwarves here are wearing that black lacquered armor. Am I right? Or uh, yeah. So now you make a comment. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the, the viewer is like, oh, oh, but of course, we don't know. The dwarves don't know. And, and my comment is just, do you think they'll duke it out with axes? Oh. <laughs> Who are you saying this to? <laughs> oh, okay, so you're next to each other. I get it. Okay. Yes. No, no. Yeah, it's, there's other ways of dealing with this. All right. Yeah, yeah. Hey. But, but isn't he already engaged? I, but he can have a consort, you know. She doesn't look the consortable type. Are you trying to open gossip-wise, or what's this about? <laughs> no, he already has rumor-wise. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Looking out to the next expert, Psst, the prince is going to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> the diplomacy, you know, diplomacy, they'll, they'll, they'll work this out. You know, it's not right for dwarves to fight dwarves. Fena is, is uh, she looks briefly to Gurm, and Gurm gives her a sort of um, little nod, and um, she looks back to Fandral, and she says, um, I know you have noble forebears, but those same forebears are mine, and I have primacy. Your father is Vandral, the Iron Girdle, but the Iron Girdle is also my father, and I am your senior. It's a sister. Yeah, I guess that means no marriage. <laughs> not necessarily. At least not unlike Star Wars, we found out before the kiss. No. <laughs> I don't think there was going to be any kissing anyway, but, you know, we'll see. Hey, Fandral can be pretty charming. True, true. It depends on how much into Game of Thrones territory we want to get, I guess. Right, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bold statement. I've heard nothing of you from my father. And I certainly don't remember seeing you before. (laughs) 
so far anyway, she her face has kept a pretty even configuration. You can, you can get the surface of what she what's going on in her head, but it's never never quite clear what she's thinking, what she's intending. Except now, now you know her her like regalness fades, and he's and she says, "Of course you haven't. My father, our father, the great Vandal Irongirdle." Took great steps to see my mother, Rigna Proudhagler, dead. He coveted another's dowry, and so my mother was not good enough. It is only by luck and the great help of Gurm here that I survived at all. I don't know your mother, but it would not surprise me if she met a similar fate at some point when he tired of her. No, my mother uh, died of uh, consumption after we were all right. fled from Scoria. <laughs> like maybe maybe there's a way for you to ascertain uh like the verity of this or ignore it um i don't know yeah I'm... todd says rings do you mean like clan rings signet rings sure especially if he has his father's ring that's big claim stuff mojo right there <laughs> <laughs> nobody's denying his parentage no no I don't see as this has any bearing on my claim to the throne here. I am my father's designated heir. And I dispute that, she says. Cold as death. So, to be sent for his father? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she says, I thought you might be unreasonable. She nods to uh, Gurm, and he begins to (laughs) fiddle about within his garb, his, like, robes. While he does that, she says... um, I don't know what kind of ruler you are, but if you are any honorable one, you would care about your subjects. I have a few of them. And then, of course, Gurm pulls out Slate's satchel and throws it on the floor before the throne. Should we, should we like fade there? Uh, sure. Cool. <laughs> Cliffhanger <laughs> part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, of course, for all we know, Slate's busy doing the uh, gorilla thing in the tunnels, hiding from the... Uh... That's the juicy part. We have no idea if, if you know, is Slate awesome? <laughs> is Slate, you know, doing John's uh, thing? Uh... Is Slate even alive? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you, you're a player character. You have plot immunity. This is Burning Wheel. <laughs> you still get plot immunity. Yeah, but you don't have. I would say you you don't have die roller immunity, but you actually may. <laughs> <laughs> you did roll really well. That's good. That's a yeah. great falsehood test. I mean, but plot immunity in that in that he can't kill you outright. You have to actually you know, give you a chance oh, to yeah. survive. You're uh, responsible for your own survival. In fact, you know, by keeping your yeah. persona point. Mm-hmm. But I can hurt you quite a lot. That I can do. Really. let's go to people's beliefs and if you want to amend something like i mean obviously for next time something that you can go for immediately next time uh you know think think about that now that you know like oops i may be trapped among these northern dwarves whom i don't know about uh anything of or you know crap there's an annoying (laughs) senior there's an annoying older sister who wants my throne and uh magnificent must have it shouldn't apply to the prince's sister. No, I, he stood and drew. Yeah. He drew the longest. Oh, I don't too. know. When, when Slate meets her, she might still be fair game. <laughs> That's Fandle's counter. Well. <laughs> okay, let's, let's start with Slate. I'll give you a fate for, you know, pursuing what you wanted by finding the dwarves, right? 
I'll give you fate for your oath as well. And it seems to be part and parcel of, of restoring your family's honor and place in Scoria Deep. Understanding who they are. Yep. That's to fate. For Fandral, well, you've located the Dwarven Company, part of it anyway. So not really by your doing, but I'll give you a fate. <laughs> uh, let's see about Flint. Not really anything super applicable. He, he's he's kind of in walking wounded category. And that's well. I mean, for, ne- for next time, you can always write a belief about uh, Fandral and Fanna or something. Uh, oh yeah, because you do have that idea about protecting the prince, right? Yes. Just never thought I'd be protecting him from his sister. So you think the worst enemies are not dwarves? But you're f- so wrong. The dwarves are the ones with greed. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, come to realize that none of my beliefs actually include an oath of, an oath of fealty to my prince. <laughs> well, Flint doesn't have that either, and Slate doesn't have that either. So it's not, oh, that's true too. Yeah, it's not quite that society. It's more understood that you know when the prince. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. He's the prince. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the prince's. I'm the prince's brewer. Yeah, and I wouldn't trust a brewer who'd change sides anyway. Wow, was that what you th- were thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she has a good brewer. <laughs> Fickless nogger, you. <laughs> no, no, no. I would. If I was her, I wouldn't trust a brewer. A, a trusted brewer to change sides. Oh, yeah. for, next thing you know, the next, next beer I drink is my last. Did I open up poison wise? You better not have. <laughs> No, I didn't. Oh well. Maybe you maybe you tried to <laughs> poisons? No, no, no. I had to deal with poison though, but I didn't okay. didn't learn anything from it. Alright, so we didn't actually get into restoring the Opal Brewers except for ordering eggs and stuff. Nah, I wouldn't even call that count as counting either. No. It was I'm good. I'm good. Talked about chickens. <laughs> we didn't have to test anything, so yeah. And likewise, make sure the fire elf demon's gone. I lots of sturm and drang and no dust I'll give you a fake for that because you determined the the nature of the spirit, right? Yay! No, no lost no recipes yet, but uh, you know we'll nope. get to that. Yep. Uh, did we have any instincts that got you guys into trouble? The princess did not order Flint to do something stupid. Um, she yeah, as long as she doesn't know, I'm not going to offer. <laughs> oh, that's dirty. I may have to put that in my pocket. You can keep it there. <laughs> like the coin that you fished out of the dryer. You know, I'll give all of <laughs> I'll give all of you a humor fate cuz I think you you deserve it one way or another. I laughed several times anyway to your various uh, I laugh until I stopped. And of course you're getting <laughs> embodiment all of you. That's one Yay, persona. persona. And then let's go to workhorse and MVP. And sort of a slightly off kilter episode. So, so, so workhorses for the character as the mundane stuff, having that particular piece of gear to make a scene go, having a particular skills to uh, get the other character's safety through. Ironically, safety. that's slate. Because <laughs> slate's gear <laughs> led to the cliffhanger. <laughs> so, so what? Slate is the MVP? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see. In a roundabout way, yeah, because yeah. it, it's yeah. Why not? You interrupted yourself. A couple right. Of so, so, so one persona MVP for 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 Slate then. But for workhorse, okay. uh, do you want to say Slate again, or is is another dwarf? You feel another dwarf is eligible? Mm. The most relied upon in a given scenario. What about the prince? Because you know, yeah. he, he's the one that's sitting there. He's on the pointy end of the political sphere. That's a fair, yeah. That's a fair vote. I'd say that. Yeah. The workhorse persona for for our prince, our illustrious prince. 
And you know what? I'm I'm super tempted to go give a deeds to Slate because Slate's bumbling honesty is really, really making life easier for the Brickyard Dwarfs. <laughs> to no gain for himself. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So yeah, I'm gonna give a deeds to yeah. to Slate. Yay. <laughs> That's it for Arta. Oh, we were doing a traits vote this time around. I don't know if we have time for it, but we could do it. Uh, we could do it maybe next time after we resolve, like you know, sure. yeah, who should be on the seat sure. and stuff, <laughs> and see if we have a a, a dwarven head m- matching the other. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I hope I hope it was fun, even though I you know threw in some stole some of your time with uh, with interstitial scenes and stuff. No problem, adds flavor. Cool. That's that's all I got for today, folks. Well, in that case, have a good one, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you all next week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. You are overthinking it way too much. Breccia, B-R-E-C-C-I-A, is a rock composed of broken fragments of minerals or rocks (laughs) mixed together by a fine-grained matrix. Yeah. It's stony. It's stony. (laughs) Finland, Finland, Finland. The country I most adore. It's the tag where I mentioned you can go to our page at sunday-skypers.podbean.com, find links to all of our episodes, links to our Facebook page and MeWe page. You can email us at sundayskypers at zoho.com. It'd also be nice if you gave us a rating or review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. And that's all I got.